Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're taking a look back at Superman the Animated Series today. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smitherings. And I'm Clifton. It's hard to believe, but Superman the Animated Series turns 25 this year. Wow. No, it doesn't. A whole person who can rent a car ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm excited to do this one. Um... This show doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion. I say that a lot. It gets a little lost in the shuffle. Um, Batman the Animated Series is the innovative game changer, right? Batman Beyond is the rebellious popular one. Justice League Unlimited is the standard for serialized superhero shows that rewarded viewers for their devotion for four series, right? Superman's kind of the middle child here. doesn't get the same attention the older and younger siblings do. And that's a shame because it's really, really good. It is. Superman, the animated series debuted in 1996 on Kids WB, created in the wake of Batman, the animated series. It was set to coincide with the release of Tim Burton's never to happen. Superman lives film starring Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Familiar names. You've all heard us talk about Superman. The animated series was produced by Bruce Tim. Alan Burnett and Paul Dini because of their success with Batman a few years prior. What we ended up getting was kind of the same formula, a show that cherry picked the best from all versions of Superman's vast publishing history. Tim Daly brought the Man of Steel to life while Dana Delaney and Clancy Brown voiced maybe the definitive versions of Lois Lane and Lex Luthor, respectively. Superman ran for 54 episodes across three seasons. So let's dive in. This show is great. (laughs) <laughs> yes bye-bye everybody <laughs> yeah, good night yeah it's a great show i remember i mean i still maintain from the start that it's probably one of the best origins we're ever going to get outside of the comics for superman mm-hmm. and i've said that for a long time you know you know that's how i feel about it oh yeah it still holds up i'll go on further okay go ahead i say it's one of the best retellings including the comics oh well <laughs> of course yes <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, but yeah, it's, it's, it starts off what? Last Son of Krypton, right? Yep. Yeah. Last Son so of get- Krypton three parter. Mm hmm. With, uh, I remember the, pre- it aired as a premiere movie in prime time hosted by Nick Frino, licensed teacher. Oh, wow. That was the WB back then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't remember that. I, part. um, I still, I very well may still have that on tape somewhere. <laughs> For I, I, I um, might as well. Someplace. Yeah. I may as well. But no, I, I remember hearing the, the, the rumors and that was long before the, the internet was the thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember the rumors of, you know, that the Brainiac was, you know, spoiler tied in more to the, the, the origins of Krypton. And in, at the time, quite a, like, what, what, what? Bristling at oh, the right, idea yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, ever since then, I'm like, no, it makes perfect sense. I love the idea of it. It's such, <laughs> it's such a nice way to include that character right off the bat. Right. So that it makes sense that he's more, you know, he's more involved. Make that connection stronger, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the idea that, you know, he'd, you know, he wants to collect, you know, I like the idea of Brainy. I mean, granted, that's not from the, that's not from the show. It's from the comics, the idea that Brainy is a collector. But I think the idea of, you know, him being around and then being like, oh, yeah, by the way, I want to collect all these worlds, mm-hmm. you know, works better knowing that he was still there when Krypton mm-hmm. was going to go. So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool too because it becomes a generational villain too. Yes. He's also like, he's Jor-El's bad guy too. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah. I've, I've 
Yeah, I definitely I did a 180 on that completely. I thought it was, once I saw it, I was definitely good with it. I didn't realize that it wasn't uh, the correct thing, because as as you guys have probably heard me say before, I was not a Superman fan before right. I saw this show. And this show was my gateway drug to Superman and, and made me go like, oh, I get him now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's cool. And I like this stuff. And I had always heard over, over and over and over again about how Superman's bad guys were, were not any good and <laughs> nothing to write home about and everything. And right. listen, the thing that I say to people, I'm like, if you want to appreciate Superman's rogues gallery, watch the first season of this show. Sure. Cause they are treated very much in the same way as Batman villains are where like, you know, Batman the animated series gets lauded for that all the time where, you know, the, the, the episode's really about the bad guy more than it is about Batman. The whole first season's like that. We get Parasite's origin and Metallo's origin and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, th- I think, we you know, when you're talking about the fact that, that Superman, the animated series, doesn't get quite the, the love or the accolades that the Batman stuff is, I think that it's, you know, part of, you know, part of what makes Batman the animated series work is that it is so heavily based in noir right mm-hmm. as a style yeah. and i don't i don't think it's as easy to pin down what if anything the animated superman the animated series is right. sort of borrowing from yeah i actually have a thought right. exactly on that which okay. is like i was a little i was a little reluctant on the show honestly to begin with it did not win me over right away mm-hmm. uh, i'd been a superman fan and i'd read you know i was into superman in the comics at the time and it's seen, you know, the the other stuff. I I'd been into the character for a while. So it wasn't like like for Zach, it wasn't my introduction to the character. I had seen these versions that I liked already. Uh, and and their approach to Batman the animated series, the same creators approach to Batman the animated series, their thesis on that one was clearly what if the Fleischer brothers animated Batman mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of Superman in the 40s? Right. Because mm-hmm. like the Batman the animated series is 100 percent inspired by the Fleischer Superman cartoons, basically. It is exactly that what-if exercise of what if the Fleischers did Batman? And that drives a lot of their creative choices in Batman the Animated Series. They had that kind of palette to look back on, that style to look back on, and just say, like, what would they have done? Right. And what can we do kind of in the spirit of that? And then I remember them talking in interviews and stuff at the time before Superman started, and how they were going to basically avoid any of that, <laughs> like any of the 40s stuff for Superman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah. so now your thesis is what if the Fleischer brothers didn't animate Superman? <laughs> right. And that's what's driving right. your thing. And that's no, that's not anywhere near as compelling to me as what if they did Batman. Right. right. Uh, and and I and that I do think is that gets to the point of what you're saying. It is kind of harder to pin down. And that is why, like, I was a little slower to get into it because it didn't have that. It didn't have that easy concept that I could just jump in and be like, oh, this is what they're doing. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, I did over time appreciate it. I have seen all of it now and, and right. I do appreciate mm-hmm. bits of it quite, quite a bit. But yeah, I was mm-hmm. just I was a little slow on it exactly for that reason. Yeah, there was um, they were initially I mean, I'm sure people know this, that, you know, there are some design work floating around out there of this show. Uh, with the 40s aesthetic because that mm-hmm. was what they were thinking for a little while because yeah. you know clearly like you were saying they were inspired by the Fleischer stuff because it's awesome it's mm-hmm. great right but they had also thought to themselves like the Fleischer stuff is so good 
that like we don't want to be like we're just going to look like we tried to do that and failed because right. they're they're going to have done it better than we did right right for a lot of reasons and so they avoided to do they they went against doing the 40 stuff with superman mm. um and i thought that that was like an interesting take uh, right. um but yeah i mean you're 100 percent right this one doesn't have a language and a visual style like built into it like batman did mm-hmm. but i mean what it did do is it kept this art deco dynamic of the city right right and just went with the brighter futuristic version for metropolis mm-hmm. right which you guys can explain to this to me but better because you guys were reading the comics at the time was metropolis like distinctively in its visual style meant to be the city of tomorrow always i don't believe so no i th- you know it's one of okay. those I think they they play with that a bit later, right? Mm-hmm. But I I don't think at the time it was. Um, I mean, they obviously had you know there's future Superman stories and Legion stories with Superman and our Superboy in them. But I mean, as a city, no, I don't I don't think it was ever kind of thought of as the city of tomorrow. I think they basically had you know mm-hmm. again there's the debate of whether it's New York or whether it's Chicago, you know, right. which city it sort of borrows from or uses as, as its template. But no, I never got the impression that it was supposed to be even with, and again, it's one of those things where it's even with, um, you know, with Lex being at that point, you're, you're, po- you know, you're into burn, you're, you're post burn mm-hmm. man of steel and post burn on Superman. So I don't, you know, there's not even that idea that, that, you know, if, Bur- if you're going with, Luthor is the businessman, as with what we get in, in this animated series. Right. There's still not the idea of Lex using, you know, it's not like everybody has um, LexCorp appliances or LexCorp cars or, <laughs> right. you know, right. that's not how he made his money kind yeah. of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, again, if you were going to do that take, you, you, I would think that would be the way to go is that, mm-hmm. that, you know, all that technology is based off of Lex and that's what right. makes Metropolis go. But we don't get that. So. Right. I do think in some way that that is one of the legacies of this show mm-hmm. in some way, even though it's never really like out, outright said that Metropolis is the city of the future and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and compared to Gotham City and all that stuff. But I mean, I just th- like it just kind of became that. I just feel like everybody just sort of like adopted that mm-hmm. moving well, forward. Yeah. And I feel like it may it may have its roots in, in this show a little bit in that take. I think we've talked about the idea before. It might have been when we way back when we did, you know, um, editor's note, you know, asterisk. When you go, you, there's an episode we did about fictional cities early on. You're right. Um, mm. I think we mentioned the fact. Tommy and I mentioned like if you play the DCU online game, Metropolis is always you know brightly lit. You know, it's it's sunshine day, and then uh, Gotham is always in is nighttime. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No matter when right. you visit, it's always that way. Mm. Um, <laughs> And I think that's, you know, I think that's, you know, the, the, uh, again, there's not a lot of street level. I mean, there are, there are bad guys, there are thugs in Superman, the animated series. But, you know, when you're talking yeah. about street level crime, obviously Batman, the Gotham City is going to have way more of that than, you know, yeah. than Superman would. So. Yeah. Inner gangs a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Although interesting that the gang themselves even is even sort of like, like, um, powered up more than a gang in Gotham city is right. Cause like the, right. the gang mm-hmm. in Superman city is also like a, a conglomerate of all the gangs together teaming up. Right. right. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. right. And they're getting powered. Then they're getting weapons from another planet. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so I think for me, one of the things also that that really makes it palatable is that Superman can be hurt in this show. Yeah, he's a very vulnerable Superman for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I think right, like he he's he's you know does amazing things, right? Like he's you know he's lifting trains up and right. <laughs> you know and all all right. kind all kinds of things like that too. Like I mean, he's not it's not like he's not super, but you know, yeah. like when he when he gets hit by a super powered guy, I feel it, right? <laughs> right. Like I like I buy it, like <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is he's he's in full command of like all the power Superman's supposed to have. But, mm. you know, I, I know like he, you know, there's a lot more of um, I, I guess there's an emphasis on the fact of stuff like electricity bothers him more than I thought it would. Mm, or, right. you know, or like you said, when he gets, he, you know, he takes a punch or he takes, you know, you know, someone swings something at him. It definitely affects him more than than I would say. He's definitely not the Silver Age Superman in this. Right. Whereas, you know, that Silver Age Superman is much more of a, um, you know, I can juggle planets. I can right. do, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Fly back in time. Right. I can break the yeah. time barrier. I, I think this is, again, even though we're post burn, I think a lot of what stuff that was started like in Man of Steel, again, sort of fans out into this. That's one aspect. And the other one is definitely Lex. Mm hmm. But we're you know we're talking about his power set and his ability to get hurt. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that that they they wanted a more and this is kind of laughable to say a more realistic Superman <laughs> after yeah. post crisis. You know, that's right. the one we get, which I'm you know I'm fine with. But I definitely you know you definitely see Superman more so than in anything else. I think, like you said, you know you can feel those punches, you can feel the battle, you can feel you know yeah. He gets knocked down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's definitely, it but it's, but again, it's on a sliding scale because it's one of those things where a fight with Lobo is not the fight that he has, um, you know, at the end of the series, right? That right. fight is, yeah. you know, we'll talk more about that, but that fight, you know, comparing the two, again, there's, it's a sliding scale of, of what he can and cannot handle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and worth pointing out that they did this without kryptonite every week. And without True, magic right. every week, right? right. And they and yeah. they did, I think, think of some innovative ways to to make him vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. We're like we're like you said, like like electricity. They they make is like mm. has an effect on him, True. right? Well, if I it's mean, enough of it, if it's a big enough dose of it, and right. light light has an effect on him. And the, yeah, they, that's one of the things I was going to bring up was as much as I love Livewire as a character that's introduced, um, Luminous is another one that I'm just like, this character's great. You know, mm, that uses yeah. light in ways that, you know, I think outside of Morrison, I don't think anyone's really decided to use that kind of attack on Superman. Right. And I see Morrison, meaning Grant Morrison, and some of the, the, the JLA comics and other stuff that he did. Right. Going deeper on Luminous. Ex- explain his, his, his shtick. Um, if I remember correctly, he's, is he a, le- he's, everyone's a LexCorp scientist, right? In the show, and like, yeah, didn't someone, didn't, did they all work for LexCorp at one point and they're disgruntled or upset? I can't remember for sure because I haven't watched that episode <laughs> in for so long. But I do remember the one where he's basically using the, the, the Red Sun stuff on Superman, which, you know, either lessens or decreases his powers. Right. Right. He, he, w- he wasn't an interesting one where he was set up in a previous episode before we saw him. 
mm-hmm. uh, as 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 the supervillain. So yeah, he was a scientist. I can't remember if he was LexCorp, but I mean you're right. In the, in that city, it was either it's either LexCorp or Star or Star right. Labs, right. Right. right? right, right. And and he was he was kind of um he was somebody Lois would turn to for for you know as a source for things in, in her story and like in, as a as a resource to for technology and all that other stuff and everything. Um, he's very, very low level in that first episode. It's just gadgets and stuff like that, that he's using. But when he comes back as luminous, he's got like the light suit and now he's got like much, much, much more at, at his fingertips. Mm. Right. And that, and that's, and so in in the, the hook of that one is that he has, he's basically utilizing satellites in orbit to filter out, uh, sunlight so that only mm. the red sun rays are coming in <laughs> and thus making Superman's powers like dwindling. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's really like, and it's, and it's awesome. And it's like, why isn't he in the comics more? Right. I think he, <laughs> well, like, I, I think he just, he just debuted like this year. <laughs> I mean, he has, right. you know, I mean, I mean, he has a certain, like, like his costuming is like somewhat of a Kirby aesthetic, which they were definitely leading mm-hmm. into, you know, I think I remember reading something along the time of, uh, I don't know if it's Bruce Tim or Dini saying or Paul Dini saying something along the lines of, you know, we were we were kind of we liked the like you said we liked the Rose Gallery that we had, but it kind of clicked for us when we were like, oh, we can use all the Fourth World and Kirby stuff, as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, you know, since all that stuff was introduced in in you know you get a lot of that stuff in in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen that Kirby right. did when he when when he came to DC. It's all very Superman adjacent, and Superman yes. was in Forever People, and yeah. right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of like soup. Was it Super Town? Right. You know, Super Town and Double X oh, and, right, and yeah. <laughs> all that stuff is is like you said, it's it's super it's Metropolis adjacent, right? It's Cadmus, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they had that moment when they're like, oh, well, we could definitely tap into that as potential for Superman. And it's it's you know, it definitely but again, I I like Luminous a lot. I think Luminous, as much as we get like, you know, we talk about characters that are that are coming from the show, he's one of the ones that I don't pair many people triumph for tr- uh, trumpet you know they don't really get yeah. you know they don't want it's like live wire which is great and um mm-hmm. you know some of the other ones but yeah I, I love luminous i think luminous is a great character yeah me too i think i think uh live wire is a little bit easier to focus on right because oh, sure she has so such a charismatic personality and, mm-hmm. and you know and she's a great character too i think uh, like i mean that's another thing that gets me too, is I feel like this show should be talked about just more for that, right? That like that she's a character that's been that's you know popped up in in right. Supergirl and yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah, she's the closest the show has to a Harley Quinn, like that kind of right. breakout, yeah. like that kind yep. of breakout mm-hmm. character because she has appeared in the Supergirl uh, live action series. It was some cool episodes in season one. I liked those. Yep. And the original Livewire was was it was Lori Petty, right? Was that yeah. a voicer? Yeah, yeah. did an excellent job in the show. Yeah, Lori Petty was the was the one that that started when it was uh, Leslie. Was the, the shock jock oh. that she played? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I can't remember her name. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> which, which I think is a nice, you know. Um, and I didn't I didn't know it. I mean, I guess I, I probably knew it at the time, but I'd forgotten that Livewire mm-hmm. was that episode was written by um, uh, Evan Dorkin. And Sarah Dwyer, oh, really? Mm. Milk and cheese. And Sarah, yeah, Sarah Dwyer. Okay. They wrote <laughs> oh, that episode yeah, together. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I, so I did not know. Like again, when I hear when I think about Livewire, no one ever mentions like they're like the ones that I guess created her for the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know visually if they came right. up with the same 
if they came up with a rough for her or whatever. Right. But yeah, they're, they're the two that, that created her. But yeah, she's the one that, that everyone points to. And again, it, she's a great character. I like her a whole lot. I mean, she's great in um, the crossover. It's not a Superman episode. It's the crossover of the girls' night out mm-hmm. when she teams right. up with, with Harley and Ivy and then you know, Supergirl and Batgirl. That's a great episode. But um, yeah, I just, I just think that as much as we get, like you said earlier that we got the, do we want to talk more about new characters? Or we want to talk about the definitive take on some of these voice actors <laughs> for existing characters. I, I mean, cause I'll, I'll keep talking about new characters if we want. No, go, go, go wherever you want. <laughs> okay. Well, like I said, I yeah. mean, you've got live wire, you've got, um, what's the Kryptonian, the, the, the character that since they couldn't use, uh, or, Oh, they could Jaxor. Yeah. Jaxor yeah Mala. Jackson and Mala. Yeah. Since you couldn't really use, mm-hmm. I guess, could they not use Zod and Feora or they just were like wanted to create something new? Yeah, I don't know for sure. This is one. Yeah, I, I've never really quite figured out what the story here was. Right. Right. And I don't mm-hmm. even know if Jaxor is is original is, or do you do you know for sure? Because I don't I don't know that if that is true or not. Um, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just I, I just don't know. I never I never knew if he was just some obscure also character from some book in the 50s. I know. I think he's the, he's not original. I think she is, but I'm not certain. Let me look. Hold on. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's one of those, you know, bearded Kryptonian villains from the Phantom right. Zone. <laughs> um, yeah. According to Wikipedia, character first appeared in Venture Comics 289 in October okay. of 1961. He's been described as the worst troublemaker in the Phantom Zone and was the first criminal <laughs> banished there. So he's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. so but i don't i think she was for whatever reason was created for strictly created for the show i think okay i'm not certain that i'll have to look up really quick um again but yeah I, it's one of those where you know again I, I normally the shorthand for kryptonian um villains from the phantom zone is zod or feora or non yeah. and non the other one <laughs> right yeah <laughs> from superman from the from the christopher reeve superman 2 which I love. I love those characters. I think the, mm-hmm. the, the movie's awesome. But um, yeah, actually, but hang up. But uh, since you're bringing up Christopher Reeve, it is interesting to point out. I think when that movie always seems to be the reference, some like somewhere, right in all things Superman that we get in other media. Mm-hmm. There's really not a whole lot of reference to Christopher Reeve. True. In that's true. No, you're right. Like, I mean, for the Fortress of Solitude, when we see it, it's not that crystal Fortress of Solitude that, that right. seems to be in every other version. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that that's an impressive feat also, I think, in, in, in my mind, that it's like not only is it not the Fleischers, but it's also not Christopher Reeve right. and not Richard Donner Superman. And Krypton, their Krypton is also different than the Krypton that makes it into every other version. Mm-hmm. or similar like the the krypton that usually makes it into the versions is like very brutalist <laughs> like the, yeah. you know, the architecture style it's very stark it's very like straight lines and solid things and crystals like you said because fortress of yeah. solitude is often supposed to be like an on-earth representation of kryptonian technology and and that's a that's one of the things in the show that that I do like co- of quite a bit about is I like that the Krypton looks like a nice place to live, yeah, right. And and most of the time it does not, and it's always one of my pet peeves about 
like the other stuff that shows Krypton so harshly and show it so horrible is, is because I'm like, we're supposed to mourn this place. Like this place doesn't exist. We're supposed to be sad about that. Right. But yeah. how can you be sad when it looks like such a crappy place to live? <laughs> like, yeah, right. It does. Yeah. yeah. And and I like their and Krypton. It's... I like their Krypton is like bright and like, like world of tomorrow ish, like retro future. I like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's not cold. <laughs> Right. That's true. Which, which That's I true. mean, the, the the funny thing is, is that like the the very open of that first episode is Jarrell like in in the ice caps or whatever. Yeah. So it's like it teases like that super cold, like <laughs> like right. like barren Krypton for a second, and then you go to and then you go to the city. Yeah. Right where they live and everything, but it's like jarell and lara like like are affectionate to each other, and mm. and yep, you know that's that's always a thing too. Where like usually it's it's everybody's stoic and everybody's kind of sterile and right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I looked it up. It looked like there was a Mala an like evil scientist type on Krypton, but it was a man at one point and they, they mm. the same sort of thing where they it's instead of the precursor to the Phantom zone, Jor-El puts him in suspended animation and basically launches them into space <laughs> with his, with his right. two other criminal brothers. So I guess Mala was just a, a gender swap that they went with. Okay. But, yeah, well, and they made them criminals too. Yeah, mm-hmm. was the th- like, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, good episodes with them too. But so, yeah. the, so okay, so so not Fleischer's, not mm-hmm. Christopher Reeve, right? And also thinking about it, we we talk about how Batman sixty six had a period in time where like nobody, like everybody wanted to be as far away from po- as possible from it, mm-hmm. right? That's also the case with the Silver Age. And there was right. a point where yeah. nobody wanted to do Silver Age stuff because it was silly and weird. Right. Yeah. And so this show has kind of an interesting relationship with Silver Age Superman because in some ways it plays to it, in some ways it ignores it, in some ways it, it depending on the situation, will uh, reframe it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some really good examples of them, like kind of trying to make the Silver Age their own in this and mm-hmm. and one is titano mm-hmm. in monkey is it monkey trouble is that the name of the episode uh monkey fun monkey, monkey fun okay. monkey fun not monkey yeah. trouble that was a movie starring <laughs> thora birch uh monkey <laughs> fun uh and that's what i know people don't like that episode so people don't think that one worked mm-hmm. all the time i do think there's a contingent of fans that don't like monkey fun but that was them doing not like a, yeah no i like it too <laughs> But there is, it, yeah. yeah, there is like that is them taking a straight up Silver Age idea of like a monkey turns into a giant and now right. how does Superman mm-hmm. deal with it and right. what zaniness ensues. Mm. That's another Ev- Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dwyer. Is it? Okay. So yeah. I, I'm yeah. noticing a trend here. Mm-hmm. And she, it should be pointed <laughs> out, was very young. Like Sarah, Dwy- Sarah Dwyer was like 20, if I'm, rem- mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right, like at the time she was working on these. Mm-hmm. So she was like, she was a bit of a comics prodigy that then moved over into animation, but she's very young at the time of this. But uh, another example is uh, Mixtus Pitalik, of course, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where, I mean, that's such a Silver Age idea. And then on, on, the, uh, on the flip side, I think this is one of everybody's favorite episodes. I think everyone loves this episode. Yeah. The uh, Mixtus Pixelated, is that it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. <laughs> Yeah, and and even went with the Silver Age design because because Mixia Spitlick didn't look like that at the time in the books because no, they no. he was the orange and purple uh with oh, like right, the, with yeah. like the zigzag hair and right. this and they went with sort of like like the cute 
uh, like like balloon nosed, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, guy hey, in the purple suit. Hey, McGurk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. You could do a better Gilbert Godfrey than that. Come I on. could, I could. I wasn't trying, <laughs> but no, I, I was gonna say they they the only time they really got um that sort of like more modern look. I think they the whatever they did on the Superboy TV show, they did have an actor who played Mixie, and it was definitely um that other look as opposed to like the one you're saying from like the mm. the thirties, right? Or is it yeah, from, his, yes. from his early support, like his I, earliest appearances. Yeah. Cause the one that I grew up with was the one that's the much more of the, the orange and purple. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's the one that I, when I first encountered the character, that's the one that I knew was that one. So. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so you get like little nods to silver age here and there, but for the most part, trying to, to modernize things and reshape it. But then you get, the Kirby stuff, the fourth yeah. world, new God stuff. And like, you know, that's all the same era too. That's silver age. Mm-hmm. And, and they unapologetically use that as, right. as it is, like, <laughs> you know? Right. It's a good, I mean, one thing, again, when I, when I think about that show, it's, it's definitely a mix of, they pull a lot of the great stuff from a lot of great things. Cause again, again, talking about characters that are established. When I think about Lex, Lex is basically, mm-hmm. you know, again, out of that Man of Steel mini. Um, and I think Wolfman is the one. Marv Wolfman is the one who basically, because he was writing Adventures of Superman at that time, after, like, right after the, the launch of Man of Steel, is the idea, you know, the idea of, of Lex as the, the, the businessman villain, the capitalist villain. Um, and I, as much as like I like some of the stories that is told in the comics, I think that definitively the take on it because we get we get that same version in the Ruby Spears Superman too. Like that's the one that's also the bad, you know, the villain in that one is not the the super scientist or the convict or or you know the guy in the purple and green um, mm-hmm. like suit. We get we definitely right. get the, the the schemer and the plotter and the guy that's up in the tower, um, you know, making everything happen in Metropolis. But I think this this take on the character is probably the best take on that mm-hmm. version of Lex. Yeah. Well, and 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 to me, always like as I became a bigger Superman fan because of the show, like it, it always in my head felt to me that 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 was happening too. We just didn't see it. Okay. Right. Like he was all of he was all of those things, and I think it's fun when you get into like the Ghost in the Machine episode, which is Brainiac's comeback when. Right. Ba- basically, like Brainiac takes Lex hostage and makes him build him, like force him to build him a new body. Mm. You know, th- it's one of the instances where it's like, okay, like Lex has, you know, scientific prowess as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we get. I mean, we do get some of that stuff. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. I guess the for me the difference is is right before that you have, I mean, you, again, you had like the seventies, like the seventies late silver age early bronze age stuff of Lex wearing like the the purple and green you know scientist suit and then you have the revamp that I believe is it which is redesigns that it's not Gil Kane because Gil Kane was the one that drew the the Brainiac redesign um maybe it's Perez the Perez suit the purple and green armor suit and you have a lot more physical fights between I mean you have some of that stuff in the Silver Age too but I'm saying like Mm -hmm. for the most part of all of Superman, well, for all of Superman, the animated series, does Lex throw a punch at him ever? He, he gets aggressive with, with the 
the version of Superman in the Brave New Metropolis. Okay. Episode, right? That's right, the, right. The, he has like the kryptonite ready. Okay. To use on him, I remember. But yeah, I'm trying to think like physical like with with our with our actual Superman. Yeah, you may be right. I don't think I don't think he does ever. It's it's not till Justice League, right? That Lex puts on, yeah. you know, that Lex really get graduates into full on. I'm going to fight superheroes <laughs> as a super villain, <laughs> right. Lex. Right. That, you know, that, that kind of we traditionally knew before that. So, you know, it's you know, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I it's one of the because normally uh, when you're thinking like evil super scientist super villain, you know, Savannah, Doctor Savannah from from Captain Marvel or Shazam is usually like in a giant robot. Where Lex is like the one to put on us like an Iron Man type suit and fight him. So again, it's one of the things we're looking back at the series. Again, the idea that he never really does that, and it's not till later that it happens when it's not even the Superman series right. anymore, is interesting too. I think. Yeah. You know, because there's there's also the thing that 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 starts in Man of Steel is the idea of Lex um, operating, you know, through proxy. You know, I'm gonna have this guy mm-hmm. fight Superman, or I'm gonna create this. You know, I'm gonna create Bizarro, or. You know, the, the, you, you know, it, it's, it, it can easily be explained as, oh, no, that guy worked for LexCorp, but he's disgruntled, and that's why he's doing this Superman. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that whole plausible deniability that Lex has in this series, you know, is different than the full-on confrontational one we used to get prior to it. Right. So. But, I, you know, I mean, I, we would be remiss talking about Lex and not talking about Clancy Brown. Mm-hmm. Sure. And how amazingly, you know, good... You know he's a great voice actor and an actor to begin right. with, but yeah. but I mean since then I can't I can't think of Lex in any other way, voice wise than Clancy. Right. Like that's that's I mean that is I don't know how it is for the rest of you, but that's how it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, it's, it's it's very hard to not hear that voice, and I think I think every Lex voice casting is always going to be compared to him. Yeah. And but you know I mean the thing with the show is there's not a lot of people doing voices. No, mm-hmm. it's for the most part, like, like that's, that's their voice, when mm-hmm. it's, whether it's like Malcolm McDowell is, is uh Metallo or I'm trying to like, like Ed Asner, right. the late, oh. great Ed Asner's <laughs> granny goodness. Like, oh my God. Right? So Michael good. Ironside. Yeah. Michael it's Ironside dark. is dark side. Like he sounds like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny to think when I, when I think about Michael Ironside, I love, I mean, he's so good as dark side. But I think back to the again. This is not Superman, but when he did Legends of the Dark Knight episode, and he does the the future, the the Frank Miller Batman from from Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. It's always funny. I mean, when I think look back, I'm like, no, it's like he's so he's just so so good as Dark Side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even the the couple we've already mentioned in the episode, uh, Livewire, Laurie Petty, and mm-hmm. uh, Mixius Pitalik, Gilbert Gottfried. It's just their voices. They're they're yeah. excellent, excellent. But yeah, yeah, they're not they're not. It's not like a Mark Hamill Joker situation. No, not like, really. They're not getting. Right. They're not totally disguised in that voice. It's just. It's just them doing their thing. Sure, and then you get like you know you get Mike Farrell doing uh, Paul Kent mm. and and Shelley Fabre oh, as Mark yeah. Kent. They're great too. Like I mean, there's not a lot of mm-hmm. episodes with them, but the episodes they're in are awesome. Um, and they're still alive. That's the other yeah. thing too. Yeah, Paul Kent doesn't die. <laughs> no. The Kents don't die. That's another thing. No. It's like different from what? every other version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they can, he can go, he, again, that's, again, that's out of, um, I, you know, I still say that's an influence of Burn and Man of Steel is the idea that he can go, you know, he can fly back to, to a Smallville and, and talk mm. to his, his parents, surrogate parents, but, and, and get advice from them and hang out and, you know, have, have rhubarb pie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is, a right. whole, again, another holdover from Burn. Right. But, 
Yeah, I just think, like I said, you know, I, I just think there's so much that they do right in this series. And again, they borrow, you know, what they want to borrow from other stuff and they make, you know, they what, what changes they do make, they make, you know, like again, like one another one that's not a new character, but a character that, that definitely stuck for a long time for it was, was Toy Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was definitely going to bring that one up. Yeah, that redesign and that character and just how creepy that character got, mm-hmm. you know. As, as a redesign is really like one of the, like it's probably one of my favorite redesigns of all of the anime. I mean, like all of the Tim Dini verse stuff, mm. like that's one of my ones that I, that I love. I think it's, it's just a really great, you know, it's not Winslow. It's, you know, it's not the, the goofy one we had or the one from like the challenge <laughs> of the super friends or, right. you know, this one's, yeah. you know, again, this one's, it, it, it's, it's, it's unnerving. Right. <laughs> a yeah. lot of his he's appearances. Not, he's not a ca- he's not a cackling bad guy, right? No, <laughs> no. I mean, no. I can kind of see how they extrapolated it from the Super Friends because the one in Super Friends looks like a marionette, right? Like yes. he kind of uh-huh. looks like a doll, mm-hmm. like a living doll. So I can right. see where they, I can see how yeah. they extrapolated into this. But this is like the one we got is so much creepier, so so right. creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the, I mean, the, the marionette one, the one that, that that I knew from Super Friends, and then found out later, they tried, you know, they basically tried to do a modernization of of the Winslow shot. Yeah, character. yeah, Winslow shot. Yeah. And there's a that he appears in the comics first, but the one that I like growing up, Toy Man from the Challenge of the Super Friends is the one that I knew. That version, the one that even more so looks like a marionette. If you've ever read um, Jim Kruger and Alex Ross's Justice. Okay. Like it, that one is much more of like an actual like wo- like he looks like a wooden puppet version, right? Um, of that the marionette um toy man. But you know, yeah, it's like I said that 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 redesign for Superman is the one where I'm like uh, that toy man I would be afraid of. <laughs> oh, for sure, <laughs> right, right? You know, yeah. like when he's got you know the crack in the the mask and right. ugh, you know just the dead the monotone voice. Yes, <laughs> yeah. That's that one is one of those redesigns. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's awesome. That's a really great design, and and execution of the character i think it's really great um but it's not like i didn't like you know i'm trying to i was trying to think about is there any of the characters they do their version of quote unquote like Corey burton is is brainiac yeah is is phenomenal too so good too you know he's so good and again getting back to talk about that the dc online game he carries over to that so he's brainiac in that as well and he's like the main thrust of like most of the game and Mm -hmm. the kryptonian aspect has stuck too a lot too. I mean, like not not a hundred percent of the time, but that right. creeps in. A lot of times, what you're getting is kind of like an amalgam of of the Milton Fine Green yeah. Brainiac, but he's tied into Krypton in some way. Right. You're right. Oh Normal. no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one of those that's definitely stuck too. Which you know, which again, you know, it's a nice. You know, we always, you know, Zach, you and I have talked many a time about making the circle too tight and having stuff be. But I, I still think that's a great. Inter, you know, a great uh, place to make it fit is in the Krypton. I think that works really well. That yeah. Brainiac in there. Yeah, I agree. So it's a great contribution. Yeah, absolutely. But no, he's great. And you touched on the the other mm-hmm. one that I, this voice wise was um, Dan Delaney. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it's hard to think. <laughs> it's hard not to think of Lois and Dan Delaney. Um, again, she's you know just so good as as Lois. Mm-hmm. You want to know what, like, she, I mean, God, I I don't even know what, what to say about mm-hmm. her. <laughs> right. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Um, she's, she's, she's so fantastic in the role. Like, like it just, 
I don't know. I'm I'm mumbling. I'm stuttering. Like like I I'm at a loss of words just how to describe like how good she is. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's it, right. Great. Like sure of herself. Um, mm-hmm. you know, can get into trouble, but can also get herself out of it. Right. Um, you know, and, and there's it, also and there's episodes where like I I would argue like she's the focal character for the, for Brave New Metropolis, which is yeah. a big like fan favorite episode. Like that's her episode. Yeah. Monkey Fun is her episode. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, um. It's it's really cool. I like that she that she was such a, a a point of focus. Even like like and that's saying something because like she she is in every version too. But like mm. still still somehow here it's like her role is is upped. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in in some ways, it's I've you know, it's one of the versions I like about Lois is is in this version she's not. And again, I think it in some cases they they extend it a little too not in other stuff they extend it a little too far the character, but I think she's on equal footing with him. And I yeah. don't always like in ver- in other versions I don't always feel that way about Lois or I don't always feel that way about another character that's tied to the superhero. But I think in this mm-hmm. instance, like you know, Lois Lane's a big deal on her own, right? You right. know, and again, I think that's kind of a holdover from I hate to keep going back to it. I'm gonna hit that, that hit it again, but that's you know you get that in. In Man of Steel, that Lois is the one that's got, you know, the cachet or the, you know, her byline is more important than Clark's early on. I mean, she's she's a big figure in in Metropolis before Superman gets there and even after. Right. That's one of those things where I think in this and I think they do that in this series as well. They they did this with Clark also, but this is a stupid visual thing with Lois that I love. Mm -hmm. I love that her design color palette changed. Yeah. From time to time. Right. Because, you know, we saw her a, a lot in the purple blazer and the white skirt and stuff. But I liked it in some episodes. They would just color the same design differently. Right. It would just mm-hmm. look like different clothes. Like you, she would be <laughs> in a red blazer in a black skirt. And right. It just looked like she was changing. She was right. changing her, her, her wardrobe. And they did this sometimes with Clark, but not as often. Clark almost always was just in the blue suit. But sometimes sure. you'd see him in a brown. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that they did that. I just think that. It's it's a fun little little trick. Sure. One thing you guys didn't really uh, expound upon that I noticed that I loved about the story is how they dealt with the characters in their past and their personality that intertwine with the powers, especially with Superman. Like for example, I remember Frank earlier is talking about Superman and how how his vulnerability was. But if you look at the series, it grew after time because again, we're retelling the whole entire scope of Superman. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. With that, a lot of his characters and villains and villains change as well as him getting used to his powers. But what I loved about it is they brought it back to his scientific roots without being scientific, like his exploration mm. of it, his understanding of it and what his father used to be, because for the most part, he get pummeled by whatever um, villain that he would be um, confronting. And then he had to outthink his way out of his situation. In order to find a different way. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved about it. Um, but you're right, though, with his vulnerability. Like, he was always being attacked in ways that you didn't think Superman be attacked. Like, whether it's a sound device that makes him hemorrhage from his ears or uh, right. the depowering of him from the lack of getting sunlight or just um, mm-hmm. having to wear a spacesuit in space. Because mm-hmm. we don't know yeah, that if right. it was through radiation or through lack of oxygen. But again, it was this understanding of who he was and who his environment became. 
as a result of it. He had a dive suit too. There's one episode where he has to go underwater and he has a he has a scuba suit too. You're right. I mean, that's a that's a cool note that we didn't bring up. But yeah, but Superman at full strength still needed a scuba suit and a space suit to go into different environments. At least in the early years and what where they're trying to retell. Yeah. But on another note too, again with uh Clifton was saying about the look and how um they stuck with the flashy stuff. I think it gave them ample opportunity to dive into the Kirby stuff because this is the only cartoon that we get where it's every scientific thing is a nod to Kirby, whether it's Apocalypse or um, Edward Leitner's um, tools or Lex Luthor's mm-hmm. equipment. Um, it was always Kirby-esque, regardless of of what the scientific notion was. It was always that circle uh square you know line that like looked like a um um an envisioned um circuit board that right. always gave yeah, it the that, Kirby that machinery yes mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was extremely prevalent in this series and um the characterization like with lex what you were saying earlier frank with um lex on how he's mm-hmm. a businessman but i saw it envisioned as just like with lois what you said earlier there are established people within Metropolis and Superman or better Car Kent was the new guy in town. Um, it is established though, that Lex Luthor built half the town. So part of his legacy with the town is him being like the, um, the mayor, but not the mayor because everyone knows about right. him. And Lois is constantly on the fight to show people that he's not who he seems in which um, mm. she's always on a mission to expose him for the person that he really is. And I enjoy that. Because um, you get subtle nods to Lex's super scientist, especially what you said earlier, um, Zach, with the one with mm. Brainiac in which Brainiac forces him to use the super scientist. Because I see it as this. If he's a businessman that got through science and made his money there, it's like almost working a position that you don't think you have to do, but you can work on the, um, the mentality of other people in order to make your yeah. stuff work. Because I did that when I, when I started up, but I don't have to rely on that. Hence why we get Metallo being one of the people that he um, manipulates to fight for him. Yeah. Like everyone fights for him and it, it comes to no avail. So I think it's a progression of the character that we get the super suit in Justice League. Yeah. And he's like, F that. I'm going to do my own thing. I can't trust these people because they're always failing me. Yeah, you're right. There, there's a little, there's a little, um, as you were talking, that made me realize there's a little evil Tony Stark with yes. this yes. version. Right, like mm-hmm. yeah, but he's never had a threatened Superman. It's always right. people. So why get that smart with these people? That I mean, it's made him billions. That's why I always looked at uh, Lex in that regard, as far as why I love the series and why it developed. Mm-hmm. And then there's the three dimensional character. I mean, we we get how people are um, rela- or not necessarily related to. I want to say their relationships with Superman. I mean, you understand why Jimmy Olsen is there, which he doesn't get played up as much, but he's definitely there. Um, you get mm. him and Batman's first meeting. You even get um, Lana. And what I like about Lana is um, Superman, it shows that Clark doesn't have bad taste because Lana's a supermodel, <laughs> you know? Right. So, it's, <laughs> so, it's, so it steps up Lois Lane like He's on that, uh, she's on that level, but they don't play it up like that. I mean, you even have like with Leitner, Luminous, mm-hmm. he does all he does to try and fall in love with Lois. And she spurns him despite him losing his job with Lex. 
which is right. again plays on her how much she's a figure and how much people want to be with her. I mean, hell, right. they even make Bruce Wayne fall in love with her. Right. So it's no um, small thing to say. It's not like she's a typical person that Clark likes. It's like falling falling in love with a, a, a supermodel, or you know, this the best person that's ever done it. And that's and you know, it 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 definitely shows that he's she's of greater scratch stature than him. But you damn near get the introduction of the Justice League through this show as well. Yeah. Um, with like Flash, Aquaman, um, Kyle right, Carl Rayner, Green Lantern, yeah. Doctor yep. Fate, Doctor yeah. Fate. Um, <laughs> what else? I'm I'm so I'm I'm forgetting something. Oh, you even have Orion. I don't think we ever got Orion prior prior to that. When you finally get the mm-hmm. um, nod to um, Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get Granny Goodness. Um, I'm trying to think what else. We got Maxima, whom we'd never see uh, before since then. That's right. Yep. We get Lobo for the first time. Lobo in the first season. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh-huh. a lot. There's 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 a lot to unpack there. Yeah. I mean, we we there is there is, you know, this show did push the the guest star button from time to time. Um. I think they did it elegantly, in my in my opinion. I feel like you know th- th- there was enough there that like you got excited when you when the ad came on and you were like, "Oh, Flash is going to be on next week," right? You know, but I, I I never thought it got too out of hand. What did you guys think? I'm just curious. I mean, I, I mean, I was rooted in you know in Brave and the Bold DC Comics present, so for me it was not surprising that they would go that route mm. and allow. And the other thing is the fact that I'm trying to think. Again, when you're comparing the two series, Batman the Animated Series has guest stars, but it's not quite the same volume, I would say. Right. You know, there's, you know, you've got the Demon and the Creeper, Jonah Hex. Right. Satana. Satana. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's about it. So maybe they have about the yeah. same. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I you know, I, I think the ones that they chose made sense. And again, you could definitely see that they were... um. I know there was a wizard article at the time that showed like designs for, uh, I believe like Vixen and the question. Um, there was more, mm. uh, what was the other one? There was like, um, some other characters that they were they trying to expand that universe. That there was talk of like, that might build into a justice league show someday. <laughs> so the idea that they were seeding that made sense, right. but obviously the justice right. league that we got was different. Yeah. Um, and then again, some of the takes on the characters, we get a very fairly traditional Aquaman in Superman. And yeah. then we get, you know, we get a definitely a different one um, in Justice League. So who was voicing, who voiced Aquaman in Superman? Is it uh, Miguel Ferrer? It is yeah. Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to remember. Yeah. The late Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. And then like Charlie Slattery does the voice of the Flash, Flash right. in, in, in that yeah. episode. And the, the when they did Legion, and they kind of got a, an all star cast to do voices <laughs> for Legion at the time. Right, it's a great episode because you had Jason Priestley yeah. mm-hmm. as Community right. Boy and uh, Melissa Joan Hart and as Chad Saturn Lowe. Girl. Yeah, as Saturn yeah. Girl and, mm-hmm. and Chad Lowe is Colossal Boy or Cosmic Boy. Yeah, oh, I have a question real quick that just occurred to me. Did they weren't they producing Batman Beyond and Superman at the same time at one point? They, they were doing, um, they were doing Superman first. Then the new episodes of Batman started up. They were doing Superman and Batman at the same time. 
but they said towards the end, there was a period where they were doing Batman and Superman and do a pre-production on Batman Beyond, like all at the same time. Okay. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think which came first. Are those um, intro or those Just League characters in Superman or Batman Beyond? It's obviously Batman Beyond that that spun into Justice League Unlimited as a, I mean, well, Justice League as opposed to Tim uh, Superman. Tim was very vocal for a long time about never wanting to do a Justice League show. Interestingly, I, w- I was reading uh, an interview with him that was published like, ju- like published after Justice League had started, but all the interviews and everything were conducted before that. And he was like mm-hmm. adamant, like, like I, you're never going to see me do a justice league show. And it, like so much so <laughs> that like he would talk about like, like nods to the justice league that Deanie would write in scripts for like Batman flashback stuff. And Tim was like, Nope, we're not doing justice league. We're not doing justice league. And then hmm. finally, when, when they did the justice league episode of, of Batman beyond, um, Batman beyond, it was just supposed to be kind of like a treat. Like they, they he wasn't thinking of it as, as like, uh, uh, a pilot for that like, but mm-hmm. his issue was always like he, he said it started when they started doing the new Batman episodes and you had like Robin Batgirl and Batman in fight yeah. sequences and then he was he was like just the staging of it became so hard it was like like what's what's Batgirl doing when Batman when you're on Batman for he's like you can't be on Batman for too long because you're wondering right. what's happening to the other people and he was like it was just he was like it was that on steroids with the Justice League and it's like they're not even fighting purse snatchers Oh no! They all have to be superpowered people, and yeah, you just like logistically, he was like, "No way, I'm never going to do this." And then he did an awesome show. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and there's some amazing fights in Justice League. You know, there's some amazing yeah. staging in the in that Justice League. So yeah, yeah. Oh, and I forgot they also introduced Supergirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supergirl and Aquaman are kind of interesting examples of it because one, notably, really quick, I'll say Aquaman. They went with a classic take that was not at all the take going on in the books at the time. Right. Right. They they ignored the long hair, hook hand, bearded, hook, hook yeah. hand, barbarian yep. Aquaman, which they then turned around and went like, like, no, there's actually something to that idea that we Full like in Justice it. League yeah. later. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is that they went with a classic Supergirl, which, again, yeah. was not the take at the time well, they go i mean they do go with a redesign for her look but they do go with a very classic origin well I, yeah i mean but but she's she's humanoid she's not i'm not even gonna oh, try yeah. and get into what the what oh, the no. supergirl she's not protoplasm right no, during the 90s no, at the time, was, no right? not at all no no that's what i'm saying yeah again for her i'm just saying again it's one of those things that was reflected back in the books was that look from from the series definitely oh, was a thing was right, a thing the t-shirt the, yeah that stuck around for yeah. a while you know, and then now that yeah. she's back into a more traditional, somewhat costume from her 50s appearance. Interestingly, also, maybe kind of a precursor to what Superboy ended up being. Uh, his design later on in the comics became mm-hmm. right. Certainly not in the 90s, because Superboy was the earring and the leather jacket. Yeah. Right. But right. I'm, ta- I'm talking like the Superboy we think of now, like in the Young Justice with the black T-shirt and the jeans. Like, right. Mm-hmm. May- maybe that Supergirl was kind of a kind of the inspiration for that. I don't know. Maybe never thought about it. Could be. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, the other thing, you know, I, I, I kind of feel bad that we've gotten this far in the episode and we haven't mentioned Tim Daly yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's only, he's only the marquee character. I mean, he's right, only the, right. the main That's character this, this entire thing. So we should talk a little bit about Tim Daly. From Wings? Yeah, that guy. He's <laughs> okay. going to be Superman. And really? Clark Kent. Oh, yeah, I bet he's real. good. Yeah, no, he is. He was great. Loved Tim Daly as Superman. I don't know that I don't love George Newbern, and it, it took a little getting used to, but right. they both have their strengths. But yeah, Tim Daly's great as, as, as Superman and Clark. Yeah. I just want to acknowledge what I thought. Well, I just kept thinking about all the no, stuff no, we no, talked no, about. No, like, you're, you're right, too. It was quite an omission. That was correct. <laughs> you're you're right, too. And, and you know, and, and, and yeah, and you're right. It was a little bit of an adjustment to, to listen to George Newbern when he got cast in Justice League. And then, and then later also like a little bit of an adjustment when it wasn't George Newbern and it was Tim Daly, like later on in other movies and stuff like <laughs> right. that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, I think Tim Daly, again, the guy from Wings that with you know, it's like, I remember the announcement. I was like, huh, I don't know how that's going to go. And it, it goes, it goes quite well. He's very right. good. It's, it's both those characters. Yeah. It's Angelini from China Beach. Yeah, yeah. That's all yes. I knew her from before then. She well, uh, it's a shocker. She was in she was an episode of Moonlighting. That's where I knew her from. Oh, so. okay, that makes sense. <laughs> no joke. No, she, I'm not kidding. She was that's where I knew her from, and then China Beach. So Moonlighting had to come up somewhere, of course. So I guess maybe um we got a little bit of time before we we need to close out. Do we want to spend this last bit on Kirby? Because we've kind of tiptoed around it but i don't think we we've like gone at it just yet right for no we talk, let's talk kirby. kirby yeah let's talk kirby for okay. sure because again like i said earlier i don't think this show would have it again i think this show and then the trajectory into justice league and unlimited both of those shows would not have been the same without the the fourth world and dark side and kirby stuff right i mean there's just so much stuff from boom tubes to other to characters that you just wouldn't i don't know how they would have done a lot of the stuff they did he pops up, Darkseid pops up at the end of an episode in season one, at the end of Tools of the Trade. And that's your first glimpse of Apocalypse, where you see this scary, scary looking guy with this deep, gravelly voice that, that you know, you swear is synthesized and it's not. Mm, nope. And he's basically standing in hell. And it's like, well, who's that guy? Like this <laughs> right. guy, right? Like this guy's bad news. But I think. One of the coolest things that they did with the Kirby stuff is is when they sort of tell the origin of of New Genesis and Apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? I think this is in Apocalypse Now Part One. They do a neat little little just like summarization of the whole backstory to the Fourth World, and what I think is kind of neat about it is it goes widescreen, mm-hmm. and I never really like thought about it much when I was younger watching it but i think that it's really kind of a cool way to kind of put focus because this is not this wasn't samurai jack this show didn't do this often ever Mm -hmm. really like this is the only time where it changed aspect ratio to be cinematic right right i think to call your attention to like no no no, this is going to be important coming like moving forward (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's a cool little little you know summarization of the kirby stuff in in like what a minute i don't know Um, (laughs) right Right. But no, I was, I was thinking about Kirby, like Kirby stuff in the show. And I think it's, it's interesting. It's like the first place we get like the female furies outside of the comics. I think right. is, is, this is the first place mm-hmm. we get them. Um, intergang isn't intergang. Like intergang's Kirby. Yeah. Intergang's a yeah. Kirby creation. Yeah. But I'm trying to think was intergang in, I want to say intergang is in Lois and Clark, the TV series. 
Oh, okay, is it? Oh, really? I, I, thought, oh, right. I, thought, I just couldn't I, remember. I thought somebody played Bruno Mannheim. Oh, in yeah, that they show? were probably. They, yeah. No, you're yeah. right. They were in Lois and Clark. Okay, but again, yeah. like I, said, that, the, I was surprised that they did that. They had so, like again, so much Kirby stuff in. But we also get we also get Canto, we get mm-hmm. Stefan Wolf, and we get mm-hmm. Kalabak. Oh, right, yeah, the Kalabak, the Father's Day episode is awesome. Mm-hmm. One where he, yeah. But I was the oh, other talking about this show. I thought I thought you meant no, Lois and Clark no, for a minute. I'm no, like, no, like no, we get no. Stefan Wolf and Lois and Clark. Yeah, yeah. Kalabak. I don't remember that episode <laughs> on like, Sunday what? nights. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it was not Michael Dorn playing him either. Um, <laughs> it could have been, right? though. Could have been, though, sure. But um, no, the other the other Kirby thing that we get is Turpin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the one yeah. that, I, that, I, that I always think of. Because, again, I mean, he might, it might as well be, you know, um, Jack. <laughs> you know, it might as well be Kirby. Yeah. You know, in it, being, you know, as Turpin, you know, there's like, you know, there's just Turpin's great as a character. We get Maggie Sora, which is from... Um, um, I think Wolfman again, a Wolfman, either Wolfman or Burn created her for uh-huh. Superman, or, and they used her in Adventures of Superman too. But, um, yeah, Turpin's one of the things that I love about this the series too that we get, yeah, you know, that is clearly an homage, if not an outright, you know, <laughs> let's put Jack Kirby in the Superman show, <laughs> um, right? But, uh, no, I'm trying to think what else, what else, you know. You hit a lot of fun ones there because you said you said Father's Day, which is the Calabac episode. Mm-hmm. That's one to that's one to watch. To to that's the good example of like every punch hurts. Yeah, oh, because yeah. it's just another super strength guy fighting Superman, and that episode is all is just a twenty minute fight, yeah. and yet it's awesome. It's one of my favorite episodes it's great. like ever of that show. Yeah, um, I, I was I was gonna I'm I'm gonna throw a little bit of shade to mm. um um. Zack Snyder here. And I think <laughs> no. I think Zack Snyder has watched this show because I truthfully I don't think he's read a lot of comics. Okay. <laughs> right? That's not I think take. Steppenwolf is the bad guy in Justice League because he appears in the show. Mm. I, well, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, That's it my could hot be. take for this. It could be. Okay. I, I I tend to think it's more along the lines of um because you know, I was thinking back on when, you know, you get dark side and and Calabac, a version of Calabac, not this version. And then um, Dazad in, in Superpowers, you know, the Galactic Guardian show, or the one right after mm. And then, much like we've talked about it in other shows about toys, Steppenwolf was the mail-away for Superpowers. There was, there was a couple different ones. There was that one, and then the, there, was, there was blue-suited um, Clark Kent. That was the other one. Okay. Like you, can find, you can find the commercial on YouTube where uh, Mark, what's his name? Mark, uh, what's it? Who played Jimmy Olsen in the in the in this Christopher Reeve Superman movie? He's also in Supergirl, the Helen Slater one. Mm. But he's um, he, he there's a commercial with him telling kids, hey hey kids, um, <laughs> you know, collect your your superpowers points or whatever they were called to mail away. But Steppenwolf was the first one with the big you know the big axe. Um, so I always thought you know that's where a lot of that stuff comes from is like from toys or from remembrances and stuff. He may have watched this show, I don't know, but I, I think that's right. why we got you know instead of getting the, the you know the first the first outing of Dark Side in movies, we got you know Calabac, not Calabac, a Steppenwolf. Right. right. All right, so let's start closing out. This is an awesome right. show. Awesome. <laughs> yep. So sad. Never got a movie. That's the thing that breaks my heart is that everything else got an animated movie and this one didn't because Brainiac Attacks doesn't count. And I'll no. tell you why. 
really quick. One, it's awful. But two, um, it's not considered canon. My my understanding of Brainiac Attacks was that the only reason it looks like the animated series was a cost cutting thing. Yeah, uh, they, they had the models already done. They're just like, oh, like if we if we use Tim's designs, yeah, we can we we don't have to redesign everything, right? Right, like it, like it was not really intended to be a Superman movie, right? Um, so I just wanted to get that out there. But anyway, okay, so we're gonna start closing out. What we're gonna do is, uh, we're gonna say our favorite episode and the most underappreciated episode in our opinion. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is.com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And finally, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an episode, you can send them our way in the comments or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is our show's initials, L-M-K-H-I-I. All right. Frank, you want to go first? <laughs> of every episode? Of every episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with my favorite. Um, this is tough because I, I love so much of this series, but I am going to go with, let me see real quick. I already know mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Nighttime as my favorite. That's your favorite. Okay. Yeah, as my favorite. I mean, there's too many. I mean, there's too mm-hmm. many two-parters or three-parters, and I'm like, eh, you know, as, as an episode, I love this episode just because, um, you know, it's got, it's got everything. It's got Batman Robin. Right. It's got Batman villains. It's got Superman trying to be, you know, Batman. When, and it, it shows, again, one of those, you know, it's a good example of why, you know, when people try to make Superman into Batman or Batman, and, you know, they don't really try to make Batman into Superman. But they definitely try to make him be more like the characters he's not. It's such a good example mm-hmm. of, no, he's not that. He's this. Right. And I think, I think you know, right. we don't, since we don't get, obviously, we didn't have at the time something like Superman versus the elite that we can basically point to and be like, no, this is Superman. Um, I think this episode does it really well in about 22 minutes. Yeah. Okay. The quick premise on this episode is that uh, Batman's gone missing and Superman has to dress like Batman to help Robin find him. Right. Right. I have one gripe about that episode. What's your one gripe? Oh, it should have been Dick, not Tim. Ah. <laughs> What's your most underappreciated episode, Frank? Underappreciated, I would go with yeah. um, I believe it's Solar Power, the one with Luminous coming back. Okay, that's the okay, one I think because cool. I, I get I just think that character is has got so much potential. They show him how, how he, you know, how how he basically, you know, most of the time we see Superman, it's either magic or kryptonite. You know, those are the easiest ones to, to mess with them with. And I think this was a really inventive and cool villain that they should probably use more of. <laughs> yep. And he's got a Tron suit on, which is cool. It's a neat, it's a cool visual. He's got a Tron Kirby <laughs> suit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So those are my choices. All right, Tommy. Favorite episode and most underappreciated episode. Favorite episode almost falls into a three-parter, but I say the first one, which is World's Finest Part One. Well, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen this episode maybe 50 times, if I'm counting. <laughs> I can quote it. Um. I love everything about it on how they it's a lot of firsts you get um, mm-hmm. uh, the the glaring one, Batman and Superman, but you also get Joker and Lex Luthor. Yeah, you mm-hmm. get um, Lois and Bruce Wayne, Lois and Batman, even how she thinks of Batman. You also get um, Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor, which is something that yep. 
makes sense. Yep. Um, you even get uh, Harley Quinn and Mercy, <laughs> which is yeah. hilarious. Oh, we didn't talk about Mercy at all either. Yeah, yeah not at all. Too, yeah, which, yeah, which, yeah, her four, uh, his, uh, his girl Friday gets everything done. Body bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a whole another thing. But it's just their interactions naturally, not forced. Um, yeah. You get the Joker and Superman, which is yeah. hilarious. Um, yeah, top to bottom, I love the I love the introduction, but to capitalize it all, I love how the first episode shows each. Uh, well, I love how the whole three parter shows their weaknesses and strengths, even when they fight the other one's villains, and how they almost fail miserably because they underestimate the power of the other one. Yeah. Right. That was great. It's a great episode. Yeah. I love that. The nightclub scene is awesome too. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Where, yeah. Right. Most underappreciated one. Oh, um, the late Mr. Kent. Mm. Okay. I like it because, oh, I think it's underappreciated because you see him, um, Clark being Clark. As much as he knows who he is as Superman, it it show to me it definitely shows that Superman is the character he plays, but yeah. Clark who he is who who he is really, and mm. what he and it also shows his his intuitiveness for dealing with the situation is what if Clark died and it's and you know right. he doesn't because he's Superman because I, I love the premise in which he um. Steps on I mean, Clark Kent as a reporter um, comes into a situation in which the person he's um, investigating tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. And had he been human, yep. it would have worked. Yep, right. But now he's forced to find a way in order to show that Clark didn't really die without exposing his secret as Superman. Yep. And how he resolves that is fairly interesting and funny, especially its effect on Lois Lane. And solve the case. And solve the case the who killed time, him, too, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, so it's a car bomb that has witnesses. So people are like, "That guy's dead," but it's <laughs> like it, right. it goes into the water, and then it's super. It's Superman is is yeah, yeah. he's fine, but he's got to act like Clark is dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I like yeah. his reaction to him being dead and thinking it has to be Superman all the time. Yeah, mm. and it, and it, and it, and yeah. he freaks out in front of his parents, and it's yeah. and it's a nice yep. bit. It's a very Silver Age premise, but it works really well. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And then you also see how Lois deals with it. And when he resolves it, it's hilarious. That I don't want to spoil because yeah. how <laughs> she's pissed off that he's alive, but at the same time, not, you know, it's it's hilarious. But yeah, that's the underrated one. All right, Clifton. Favorite episode, most underappreciated. Uh, I mean, there's a couple that are probably tied, and, and one of them was the Toy Man episode we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one that we haven't talked about, one that we didn't talk about is uh, also season one, and it is The Way of All Flesh, which mm. was the Metallo episode. That's a good one. Yep. And uh, it has, uh, was it Malcolm McDowell mm-hmm. as yeah. Metallo? So I mean, you can't beat that. No. And, nope. <laughs> And I mean, the way the reason I like this one is that it really like I kind of, you know, knowing Metallo from the comics, I had never thought too much of a villain. He seemed kind of goofy idea, like the man with the kryptonite heart. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound too bad. But in this one, it really made me like get a a much better sense of the character and and the danger he posed to 
to Superman and just sympathetic on his own as it's kind of like a man or monster type of thing that he's in of like who he is. And and I just really like that one a lot uh, just for really making me have a much better understanding of that character. And I really like mm-hmm. the tallow now. Nice. Okay. That's your both favorite and most underappreciated. No, that's my favorite. My underappreciated <laughs> one again okay. is, uh, this one I don't think I think a lot of people don't like this one and it's Superman's pal. <laughs> okay. Which is another throwback. That's why I like it. It's such a throwback to mm. a Silver Age idea where where Jimmy Olsen gets uh publicly declared as Superman's pal and then mm. it puts a target on him. Yep. And everyone comes gunning for for Superman's pal to get to Superman and it's such a classic like like Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen plot that I like yep. that they that they decided to attempt it. That's what I like about that one. Okay. All good picks. You guys took some of mine. <laughs> Late Mr. Kent was going to be my favorite episode. Tommy, you took it. Okay. I love that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clifton, The Way of All Flesh was going to be <laughs> my oh, most underappreciated. Yeah, it is a good one. Yeah, I think the Vitala origin is awesome. Uh, honorable is. mention to the Parasite origin, which is also very mm-hmm. good. But um, so I will say just to say some new ones, my favorite one is the Promethean. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is Superman fighting that giant, uh, heat, uh, absorbing, uh, creature from space. Yep. That I, that I think people that didn't read the comics, we all thought that it was the introduction of doomsday, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's just an awesome, awesome episode of Superman fighting just kind of like a giant kaiju. Um, <laughs> And then my most underappreciated, I'm going to go with my girl from season one, which is the Lana episode. Okay. And it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's Superman versus arms dealers, which is kind of neat. Um, right. You know, uh, not, not apocalypse related yet. It's just, just, you know, just some kooky uh, inventor that's, you know, making just awful, awful weapons that can do un, un, uh, unspeakable destruction. And uh, Lana is, in town because she's now dating Lex and she's trying to help Superman by being kind of the, the, his partner on the inside, which is neat. And I love that episode and I love their dynamic. So, but, uh, you should check out all of these episodes if you haven't. Yes. Um, <laughs> should point out that the Superman animated series Blu-ray, uh, is coming out. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be like fully remastered. Which is kind of neat HD remaster, which is awesome. Uh, you know, when when Batman got its HD remaster, those episodes were HD on HBO Max. So I'm hoping that maybe Superman will make the the up conversion. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll see. I would love yeah. it. I would love it. Anyway, so let us know what your guys' favorite episodes are, underappreciated episodes, favorite moments. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on LetMeKnowHowItIs.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media. And we will see you guys next time. Have a good one. 